Uh, morning, church. <clears throat> My name is Rob, and in case you don't know me, I am uh, one of the pastors here. And, you know, I'll just guess, start us off with a uh, question. Um, out of a show of hands, how many of you have heard before, maybe you've sung it before, the very first Christmas carol that we did, which was Joy to the World? Out of a show of hands, right? Yeah, okay. I think everybody, I think that, does that play an Aaron affair even? Yeah. yeah most, most of us are, we've heard Christmas carols like that a, a dozen times, um, particularly during this time of year. But have you ever wondered what some of these carols actually mean? Take, for instance, my favorite one, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Listen to, listen to, how, listen to this. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate, as you guys would say, deity. Wow. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hailed incarnate deity. What does that even mean? I mean, it sounds, well, I suppose what you could do is grab your phone, go on Google for two minutes and look it up. But that's not the kind of language people use. You don't say, hey, Paul, man, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Good morning, brother. Hail the incarnate Jesus. That's who we're here to worship, deity. Like, we don't talk that way. So what, what, what do those words even mean? Well, here's the deal. In, in all likelihood, many of us, if you're a Christian or you're not, we're well acquainted with these melodies, right? We've heard them a dozen times. But for many of us, that's sort of as far as it goes. We can kind of hum along to it. Right? Now, I'm going to actually push it a step further. And I'm, uh, yes, I'm hoping to actually put a little stick in you on purpose here. I would bet for some of you, for some of you, I would guess Christmas carols are more nostalgic than anything. They bring you back to a particular moment with your family. Uh, they cause you to feel nostalgic. They make you feel warm inside. And in that case, it doesn't really matter what they say what these lyrics mean, just as long as they trigger fond memories for you and, and cause you to feel nostalgic. But here's the deal. The people who wrote these Christmas carols were after far more than your moments of sentimentality or nostalgia. They wanted you to know precisely who Jesus is and for you to worship the Son of God. That's the whole point of Christmas carols. In fact, it might surprise you that the first Christmas carol ever sung wasn't actually given or sung by humans, but by angels. And it went a little something like this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's what multitude of angels sang the night Jesus was born. Now, clearly these angels are excited about it and, 
And the shepherds were gobsmacked. They were stunned. But what are we supposed to do with it? Like, like what, what do we take away from it? I remember as a child, I didn't grow up in a Christian home at all. My parents met at a raging keg party in Huntington Beach, California, completely drunk and stoned, and then I came nine months later, okay? And here I am, a love child of the 70s, late 70s. Total surf culture, all of that. But for whatever reason, and I don't know why, maybe it was just the American thing to do, we would go to church on Christmas Eve. And I remember reading things like, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among, or you're hearing it read. I remember seeing cute little plays. But I thought, I don't even know what this stuff even means. And, and people would say, and on earth, peace. Peace on earth? Not in my family. <laughs> Maybe as we kind of swayed holding a candle for Christmas Eve service, and then it was, shut up, kids, and get in the car, Right? And worse than that. And so, what does that even mean? And let's be honest, your families, it's the same thing. Do you think this earth right now is just filled with peace? <laughs> so then is this, just, is this just a nice sentimental like joke that we're reading? What, what does this even mean, peace on earth? What, look around, man. There ain't peace on earth right now. So, so is this just something that we just kind of naively believe? Are we just, we're kind of the people to be pitied, really, because we're kind of naively believing something that's just not true. Is that kind of why we're here? Is that who we are as Christians? Maybe that's some of you, but I want to tell you, God, the Son, became a man to offer to bring peace between God and man. That's the peace I want to talk about. He offers salvation to you this morning. So how are you going to respond? The shepherds respond a particular way, don't they? Probably those in high positions of authority, like Caesar, and they respond a certain way. People today are offered the message of salvation, and they respond a particular way, don't they? Some of your family members that you're going to have Pavlova with in a week's time, they've heard the message of salvation. How do they respond? How are you responding this morning? Those are things I want us to think about. How do we respond when God offers salvation in his son, Jesus? So let's pray. Let's, let's pray and we'll, we'll crack open this text. Heavenly Father, we pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and receptive hearts that only your spirit can do that. We pray these things for your glory and in Christ's name. Amen. So did you notice how Luke begins here in Luke chapter 2? He says this, once upon a time. Is that what he says? No. No, it's not once upon a time as if this were some fairy tale, but he locates the birth of Christ in space and time history. Like, you can't argue, if you, if you study the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, for instance, right? Th these guys are actually in, these Caesars, are actually located in history, you see. Jesus was born in real space and time history. And look, look at these initial verses here, how, how they frequently, Luke highlights this census. Look at the first few verses. He says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. 
This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. So the Romans conducted these head counts, as it were, and, and wh wh why are they doing that? Well, it's, it's to collect taxes, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what they're doing. And, and listen, many of these Jews would have been less than happy about this. You understand? Not so much because of the money lost. Rather, it was a bitter reminder that they were a conquered people. They were under the thumb of Roman oppression. Um, kids, how many of you have waited a long time for something? Maybe you've waited a long time for Christmas, and we're almost there. But imagine this. Imagine if you lived in another country where people were really mean and unfair to your family. In fact, you would just be walking along the road, going to the shops, and a police officer would pull you over and say, give me your pocket money. And even after you gave him your pocket money, he was still mean to you. And your mom and dad, and you'd cry, and your mom and dad would pull you aside, and they'd open up a book, and they'd say, one day, kids, one day, this is going to change. One day, there's gonna, a ruler's going to come who's going to be fair and honest. A leader is going to come. Now, would you be looking forward to that day? Very much so. And what is Luke saying here? That day's finally come. This long-awaited-for Messiah has arrived. And notice in verse 4, because here's something interesting. It just seems like, if you just read it, I guess, at face value or however you want to say this, it seems just like it's kind of reporting random I, I, like records, which, which he is. But, but notice, and, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was the, of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, you just kind of read that, and you're like, yeah, 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 I've heard that. Yeah, okay. And again, remember the Jews would have been really upset. They're having to pay taxes. Less than convenient when your wife's full term to go on a trip somewhere, on a donkey, far away from your home. So, so we look at that, and we kind of go, yeah, 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 but you have to, there's more that meets the eye here. Because while this leader, Augustus, has issued a decree, right? In God's providence, all of these things are being orchestrated so that the Messiah is birthed exactly where Micah 5.2 said he would be, in Bethlehem. More that meets the eye. And you know, can I tell you, the government, different leaders, things could, they might think that they're calling shots and they do things that are really irritating and frustrate the life out of you, but listen, God is doing far more than they could ever imagine. The Christ is building his church. And, and you know, I guarantee you, it was less than convenient 
hopping on a donkey, nine months pregnant, then giving birth in a manger. Not the cute little nativity scene that you see, but a dirty place for animals. So you look at that and you go, what is going on? We're losing, right? I mean, honestly, honestly. If you look at that, you go, we're losing. It's the, 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 but that's exactly in God's providence how he wanted, right? Jesus, Philippians 2, humbled himself. Look at this humility in these next few verses. We just, we've, got, we've gotten so used to it, like it's just a cute little nativity scene. But, but listen, notice here, verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. That's not how you'd expect a king to come, <laughs> right? That, that's not what you'd imagine. I mean, you'd imagine he's going to be born in a palace. You, you imagine you'd push Augustus aside and say, hey, dude, you're, you're nothing. King Jesus is here. You'd also imagine that someone would say, hey, angels, somebody, ring up the PM. Call the Sydney Morning Herald. Let's publish this. This long-awaited Messiah is here. Come on, angels, off you go. Do your thing. This is what you're supposed to do, right? And they did. But who's the first people to hear about this birth? Is it Augustus? Kind of sitting there all smug and pomp in his palace? No. It's these shepherds. Look at these shepherds in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. Now you have to know something. Shepherds, okay, we might know these guys from Christmas plays. But on the whole, they were viewed as outsiders. They were dirty. They were poor. And these dirty, poor blokes are working the night shift. Not ideal. I mean, they had, think about it, they had to live out in the bush with animals. That's not a cool job. It'd be boring, it'd be lonely, you'd smell bad. Um, there was even rules back then, laws back then, that banned shepherds from entering courtrooms or allowed them to join on religious activities. These guys were outsiders. Yet they were the first ones to hear about Jesus' birth. Not Augustus, not Quirinius. Those weren't the guys that the angels were sent to. It was these social outcasts. It's good news for all people. You see that? All people, not just the elites, not just Jews, but for all people. And when the angel of the Lord shows up to these guys, and again, we've, we're so familiar with this. I'm not just talking to Jeanette about this. We, we, we've become, it's almost just like, we know the characters, we know the plot, we know the endings, so we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But you, you have to put yourself in these guys' shoes. They think they're dead, right? They're sore afraid in the old King James. Look at verse 9. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. You think? They were sore afraid, as the old translations say, meaning they were painfully scared. They were filled with dread and terror because they had enough sense to know. You come face to face with the living God, 
and his glory. Even just, even an angel. I could spell out certain death, right? But the angel tells him, don't worry. Because not only does he have good news, it's joyful news. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day in, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, kids, okay, I, I want you to help me out here. How does this angel, I just read it, but how does this angel describe Jesus? They didn't, notice, he didn't say, and his name will be Jesus. So we didn't, he didn't give him the name, but he did give him some titles, right? He gave him some, some names, some words that describe Jesus, Three things. Can you see it there? Savior, Christ, and Lord. Can you see that? Some of your dads and moms are showing you. Now, here's the deal. Unless the angel is mistaken, you're not allowed to give titles like that to just ordinary blokes. <laughs> so if this angel is not telling the truth, he's a demon, <laughs> right? He's a bad angel. But if he is telling the truth, he is Christ. He's the Messiah. He is the Lord. See what he's telling them? He's saying, God the Son, the one who has existed for all eternity, the one who made the universe, has just entered this world as a baby. The voice that made the cosmos could be heard crying in a cradle. Unbelievable. The voice that spoke the universe into being can now be heard crying in a cradle. Look what J.I. Packer says about this. I want, you to, I want you to see kids as well. Look what he says. It's really helpful here. Watch how he says this. He says, God became man. The divine son became a Jew. The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than lie and stare and wriggle and make noises needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like every other child. And there was no illusion or, or deception in this. The babyhood of the Son of God was a reality. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this truth of the incarnation. Very good. Now, now if you were the shepherds, let's go back to these guys. And it's that amazing. Christ, Messiah, Lord, wouldn't you want to like, you'd be a little bit enthusiastic, right? You wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, cool. Can I, can I get back to my night shift now? And I got stuff to do, you know? No, no, no you, you want to go, well, where is this baby? Where is this king? Where is this Messiah? Verse 12, they drop a hint. You see it? And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And what happens next? After the angel's announcement, a whole group of angels appeared, actually an army of angels. And the greatest sound and light show that ever occurred on the face of the earth before that time lit up the sky. Look at verse 13. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a with the angel, a great multitude. You see that? The heavenly host praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, we've heard that a dozen times. Like I said, I didn't even grow up in church, and I heard that read. What does that mean? Let's, let's pick it apart. Let's start with the first one. Glory to God in the highest. You understand the angels weren't just singing gibberish into the air. This wasn't like a, a modern Christian song that just sings gibberish, right? They, they know something. They know that God has sent his son into the world and Jesus will show us God's character like never before. See, friend, the glory of Christmas is the glory of God incarnate. Uh, the, the army of angels, they know this, that peace with God was, was about to be made because of Jesus. That's why they sing in this next part, look, and on earth, peace. See? But this, this doesn't mean they're promising world peace or making a universal declaration of peace for everybody. As I said earlier, I always struggled with that as a kid. But the more I understood and read my Bible, I thought, oh, okay, why is there not peace on earth? Well, this thing because of sin. You see, the day Adam and Eve disobeyed God, sin entered the world. Our bodies break down and age and are susceptible to viruses. We get irritable with each other. We snap on our spouses. We lie and backstab and cheat. You do all of those things. I do all of those things. There is not peace on this earth because of sin. All of mankind is at war with God and each other. Not peace. But look carefully how it finishes. And on earth, peace, notice, with whom he is pleased, to people he favors, to those who receive his grace. You see, Christ Jesus, the Lord, came into the world to save sinners. Like you and like me. That's the point of Christmas. In the dawning of the king, he, the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity, in our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ, who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. That's Christmas. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased to receive his grace. And let me tell you, just as an aside, the day you turn to Christ and turn from your sin, it's not all hunky-dory. There's still going to be sin in your house. But the difference is you have a big picture to understand sin. And the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, convicting you of that sin. I was short with my kids yesterday, right? Come on, guys, it's Christmas, you know? And, and instead of just being, and, and they were making a mess, and I was trying to clean it up, and, and so I said, stop that, and I was, I, was, I was short with them. I was snappy with them. And I said, guys, come, come back in here before I make you bean supreme, which is a bean and cheese burrito. I'll say that another time. Okay? Come back in here. I'm, Dad is sorry. I, would you please forgive me? 
I'm, I'm sorry. Now, do I, say, do I put myself up because I'm so great? No, I'm telling you I made a, mis- <laughs> made a mistake. But why would I do that? I, I'm telling you right now, before I was a Christian, I would never do that. I'd be like, darn kids, it's their fault. They should know better. But you see, the Holy Spirit is working in my life, understanding that now I've been forgiven of my sin. Blessed are those who've been shown mercy, right? I, I want to I forgive others, and I want to ask their forgiveness. Peace on earth. Only a picture of it, but will fa- someday be fulfilled in the greatest new heavens and new earth will be peace with God forever. No more, pe- no more snapping on your kids, no more marital problems, no more any of those things. But the byproducts of it now, honestly, y- you cannot find, I'd argue this, you cannot find a better big picture for the world. Uh, do, do you realize this is the answer to all of the world's problems? <laughs> I know it's a big statement, but I, I, I'm convinced. Oh, people are lying about this, this, and this. Yep, sin. Oh, well, you know, people are, are really trying to embrace their identity on this and this. Yep, sin. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is the answer. This isn't just cheap, cute talk that we're talking about here. This could... This has, this is the solution. You want to know why the world's all gone, you know, sort of to hell in a handbasket, so to speak? It's sin. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And not only does he save us and forgive us, but he changes us from the inside out. It's the only hope you have for your anger, for your lust, for your short temper, for your disappointments with your family, because I know you're going to be disappointed this Christmas with something. Life's full of disappointments. It is. Oh, I'm disappointed. Welcome to a sinful world, my friend. The only hope you have is putting your faith in Christ, trusting that he is sovereign over all things, and having him mold and shape you to the image of himself. That's it. Let's go back to the shepherds. So, I mean, they had to wonder at this point, is this a dream? This is, this is very surreal, right? Have you ever experienced anything like this? You know, angels announcing size birth? I haven't. If you have, come see me. Right? We're not, you're not going to. <laughs> yes. I mean, so you had to wonder, was, was, is, this, is this a dream? I mean, it was, did, is this all made up? Or, or did we just, you know, did we eat something bad? Or, you know, what's going on? Were we hallucinating? Do we need to get better sleep? Have we been hanging out with these sheep too much? What's going on? Well, there's only one way to find out, and that's in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, rightly so, let us go over to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the words the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And notice this. Notice how the shepherds respond when salvation is announced. What do they do? Verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told them. You see, it's interesting though, the shepherds, 
Notice though that they had to, they, they praise God. That's the right response. They worship him. But they had to go check it out, right? They had to discover it. They couldn't say, oh yeah, I mean, I just believe it. They wanted tangible evidence. You know, some people today just assume Christianity is false without looking into it. I, had a Christmas, I was at a Christmas party this week. And the guy said, oh yeah, 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 I don't believe in Christianity. I said, have you, have you looked into it? Like, what, what are you rejecting? What, what? And I'm just curious, for those of you that are here and you're not Christians, you don't actually have a, I would argue this, you can come talk to me afterwards, you actually do not have a scientific, if you want to use the word science, I know it's a big buzzword now, you don't have a scientific reason to reject this. Now, you may not believe it, but you can't disprove this. You really can't. There was someone who claimed to be the Messiah who the Romans killed. Now, did he rise from the dead? Now, you might say, well, that's where I, you lose me. But the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, they don't just assume it's true, though. They, they, they go and check it out, right? You know, some of us just assume, and let me push again, I like to kind of stick the sticking you in your side a little bit here. Some of you just assume this whole thing is true without you actually haven't critically thought about it. So when someone drops Dawkins, Harris, Hitchens, or anyone else, you go, uh-uh. Or someone says, well, how can you say that, you know, clearly science de- debunks the idea of creation or this or that, and you, you go, uh-uh. Oh, how can you say that so, uh, so someone rose from the dead? uh uh-huh. So some of us, I want to kind of stick, stick you here and say, investigate these things for yourself. See if this is actually true and right. Don't just assume it. Be prepared to give an answer for those who ask you. You see, either Jesus was really born in this town through this virgin woman, or it's all made up. Either this is really true, virgin actually got pregnant, had this baby, Messiah, or this is all just a a farce. I mean, one may be tempted to end the story here, right? And you kind of just look at it and you say, well, I'm going to be pretty neutral. Look, if that's cool for some people, Jesus said this, either you are for me or you are against me. You understand? This baby actually grew up and said that. We can't leave the baby in the manger. Oh, isn't that nice? That's cute probably don't believe that a virgin gets pregnant, but that's nice for these people. Either this stuff's real, and Jesus grew up and said things like, I am the way and the truth and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. And this exact Jesus said, either you are for me or you are against me, you see. This Jesus did grow up, did speak, and lived a life of complete obedience to the Father. Complete obedience but we forget that. We forget, we often leave Jesus there in the manger as a cute nativity idea, a song, and move on. But we can't forget, friends, those soft little hands fashioned by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb were made so that nails might be driven through them. Those precious baby feet, tiny, and unable to walk, would one day walk up a dusty hill of Calvary to be nailed to a cross. 
that sweet infant's head with sparkling eyes and soft skin was formed so that one day men might shove a crown of thorns onto it. Jesus was born to die. Jesus died as a substitute for sinners, for rebels. He took the full force of God's wrath and justice on himself so that forgiveness, peace, is made possible only by faith in him. That is the message of Christmas. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to respond? I pray the Lord draws you to himself if you're not in a right relationship with him now. And for those of us that are, let us cling to this truth presently, right now, that we trust in Jesus for the hope of forgiveness and eternal life, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let's pray. Lord, we contemplate these fundamental and deep truths of who you are. We pray, Lord, for those that are even now, even now, in the silence of their minds, maybe just kind of coming up with an excuse of why they haven't stepped over the line and repented of their sin and turned to you in faith and repentance. Lord, we pray that they wouldn't feel comfortable walking out of here, that you'd save them. Lord, for those of us that you have called and justified, may we never just look at these truths as casual, familiar. May they rivet our souls, spark our affections. May we be excited to share this with our friends and our family. What an opportunity to do so coming up this next week. Give us boldness, clarity, to, to do so. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So my friend, if you are here and you are trusting in Jesus alone for the hope